Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Welcome in to BetQLU. Yep, we are uh, getting through it here in college basketball season, closer and closer to uh, the tournament as seeds take shape, upsets continue to happen, conference races play out. We've got a lot to get to on the show today. I'm John Martin, joined as always by my man RJ Choppy. And RJ, man, we have some college football that we're going to get to a little bit later. Just some developments, right, that could kind of shape uh, and, and, and reshape the way that the sport is discussed and the way that the playoff is is sort of, um, you know, solved and situated. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But first of all, let's start with a new number one. We're going to have a new number one next week as number 15 ranked Creighton beats UConn. At home, 85-66, just uh, basically a wire-to-wire deal there. I know that UConn led for a little while, but Creighton did ultimately take control, and they never gave it back. Um, so I guess I'll ask you from that perspective, who did that game, in your opinion, say more about, Creighton or UConn? You know, I think it said more about um, about Creighton. I, th- look, I think we know what UConn is. UConn's a dominant force. They had a night. Right, we're all gonna have nights. Uh, every college basketball team; these are kids. Remember, at the end of the day, these are kids. They're gonna have a night. He had a night, or they had a night, I should say. And you know, I, I think the other part of it is UConn has not shown, you know, during this run, even though they win it all last year, you know, they they have not been the best road team against quality competition. Um, and that, that that's gonna that the the good thing for them is you don't play road games in the tournament. Uh, the bad news is is that you do have to answer some questions as to why you don't win road games. Now, road games are tough to win. You know, I mean, look, even you know, Purdue has fallen on a couple of road games this year against conference opponents, and, and, and some of those weren't even nearly as good of teams as Creighton. So you've seen upsets happen on the road. Uh, you know, you'll go down the rest of the top 25 or the top five, I should say, and you'll see other yep. teams that have lost road games against teams they had no business losing road games to, but they did. Um, so I don't think it says a ton about UConn. I think UConn is who they are. I think Creighton's a really good basketball team, and you get them at home on the right night, and they're gonna they're gonna bite you. They're they're a team that I don't think you want to see them necessarily in your bracket. Um, you know, if you're a two seed and they're a four, or you know you're you're they're a three more like it. Then I don't know you want to see them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's 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 pretty much it's it's kind of ridiculous what UConn had had been doing. I mean, to come back after winning the championship, 
and to look as dominant as they've looked, you know, on the 13 game win streak. Like you don't usually see year to year dominance like that, especially when UConn had to replace Jordan Hawkins. They had to replace Adama Sanogo. Like <clears throat> they lost a lot of guys. Um, and so it was a little like, damn, UConn is, you know, I, I guess Danny Hurley has just built this machine and it, it, it's, it still is a machine. But but I agree that, you know, when you look right now, Creighton is uh, – what, what are their national title odds? we have those on the screen here, Zach? Yeah. That, are, are they Creighton. still – yeah, 25 to 1 around those over at BetMGM, I would guess. Um, Something like that, you know, and that's yeah. – I mean, because we that, see them right now. They're not, they're not in the top, you know, 10 or uh, 11 or whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, I think Creighton sort of showed that – Obviously, they're a three-point reliant team, but if they're falling, they can beat pretty much anybody in America. I, I do agree, RJ, that that's what they showed. Yeah, man. Especially you know, if, if they're able to to hit from three, and, and look, any any team in this tournament, if they have a night, and then the other team, the favorite, if, if an underdog has a, has a good three-point shooting night, and the favorite starts off like. Two of fourteen, it's it's on, it's it's just on. Like, that's just the way it is, and we've seen this throughout. You go look at the NBA playoffs over the last two years. Every game is like a twenty point blowout because some teams always on, and then the other teams not. The way the game is now, it is a three point game, and that is so dangerous in a one and done. Because yeah. like one bad, it doesn't even take a bad half. It takes a bad four-minute stretch. Dude, I am still, still not over Florida Atlantic last year. Like, against Tennessee, we were in control that entire game. And, like, a six-minute stretch, gone. Gone. And Florida Atlantic's in the Final Four. Um, There is – it is so scary. Gone are the days of, you know, you just get your – yeah, you throw the ball down low. You beat them. You're just more talented, and it would take a real, real good right. shooting effort to pull the upset. Man, that ain't happening anymore. These things can happen at any moment because a the portal has spread the talent out a little bit more. Nobody's just dominant, yeah, yeah. and then b yeah. you know the three point shot. There's no doubt about it. Creighton was a team that I felt like was really a frustrating group. Um, you know, early in the season, I was there in Vegas when they lost UNLV, as we've talked about before. And I just said, you know, this team is missing some toughness. Um, this is It just feels like it's missing, you know, some edge to them. And, yeah. you know, that still may be true, but they do have an amazing equalizer in, in Kalkbrenner, you know, as a guy that can screen and roll and finish at the rim and give teams really fits. Uh, at, at the rim on both ends of the floor, and that's just a you know you have only a few guys in the in the country that that that's the case for. I mean, Edie at, at Purdue, you know, Clayton when he's with UConn, and then uh, you know, and, and then Kalkbrenner. So, I absolutely feel like Creighton is a team that has to be taken seriously. Thirty to one is a, an amazing price to me. Uh, I mean, they're, they're feast of famine, right? Understand what you're getting into. Understand what you're getting into when you bet on when you have a Creighton future, and it's obviously way worse of a number today than it would have been if you had bet them before Tuesday. But these are kind of the teams that I like to have a future ticket on. RJ, it's like you just kind of 
slap it to the windshield of your car and you're going 80 miles an hour down the freaking interstate. And who knows where where you go? Who knows where it takes you, you know? Creighton's a good ticket, man. I mean, I I think they're if you if you can get them at a at a really big number, I think they're a good ticket to get. Um uh, there's a there's a handful of teams uh that, that'll probably be in that same area, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little worse odds that I think you can make a run at. But you know, from a future ticket standpoint, dude, they get on a roll and like if, if they get hot, a favorable draw. Like that's key. You know, the draw is as much of a part of this as anything. Who do you match up right with? Who gets upset? It, I, it's I, I think the draw is is more important than location. I mean, I know UConn's going to be in, a, in, a, in an interesting spot because they're going to play in Boston, right? They they, they ain't going to lose in Boston. It's a home game, right? They're going to have eighty five percent of the crowd. Same thing when they play in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center in the first round. But you know, short of that, there's no other team out there that is going to have such a home court advantage. Um, I mean, Houston's not you know, and Houston gets Dallas, you know, Arizona gets uh, L.A. Purdue gets Detroit. If those are your one seeds. Nobody's going to have the home court yep. that, that UConn is. Yeah, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I, I think Creighton sort of showed, all right, they finally figured out the UConn problem. If you can beat UConn, I know it's home, and that's a big factor, but you figured it out schematically. Uh, I, I like your chances to make a run in the NCAA tournament. All right, the other team uh, that we're going to be talking about here, Purdue goes down. Uh, now, this was obviously all, all over the weekend, but Purdue goes down to Ohio State on the road as a seven-and-a-half, eight-point favorite. Um, is this something that we should be concerned about with Purdue, RJ, or was this just Ohio State making a coaching change and everybody was happy as hell that it happened? You know, Purdue's issues are going to be um... – you know, like, look, Ed is not the greatest necessarily passer out of the out of the low uh, low post. Um, if guys, if his other guys aren't making shots, I mean, they, they could be in trouble. You know, they 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 just can. You can collapse on him. If you've got a team, you can throw like a hack shack out there, right? You got a team out there that's that's got like three bigs. You can foul a bunch. Now he does make his free throws, a good free throw shooter, but you can you know anybody can have an off night. I think the issue here also is Ohio State was have a new coach. This is the new coach theory. You get a new coach in there, everything's different. Players may play a little bit looser. First game uh, with yep. the new coach, they wind up winning. I don't think this is a big knock on Purdue. Purdue has got uh, – they're not playing for today. Look, they, they, they have every ounce of pressure on them in the tournament. That's where this is going to lie. I don't think this game changed anything about them. We'll find out the real Purdue come March. Yeah, look, I, I think um, it, it is just that quintessential spot. I mean, it's the easiest spot in the whole wide world that Ohio State at home uh, against Purdue, number two team in the country coming in. It's the easiest spot in the world to get up for and play your best game. So I'm not, I'm not really – they were also due some some positive regression in terms of their three-point shooting. So mm-hmm. what, a, what a day to have it. But it was obviously like – it, that that result does not shock me in the slightest. I mean, look, I think the case for Purdue winning the winning the the national championship and making a run that they've never made under Matt Painter is that they go out and they add a Lance Jones, that Braden Smith's a year older, that Foster Lawyers is a year older, and that this group is a little bit more battle tested and will look back as at last year as just an anomaly. 
Yeah, I don't know if if you want to believe that. I don't know if you you know if I can sell that to you. I think what Purdue still is missing um, is that guy who can create off the bounce and get to the rim using his athleticism. Mm-hmm. That's what Purdue is lacking to me. Like they had it a couple of years ago with Jay Nivey, and that was coincidentally their their best run in a long time. You know, I think when you get into that arch mode, it's great to have shooters, but that's when defenses are at their best, man. You got to have yeah. somebody who can create for himself and not just lean on jump shots. And I don't know if Purdue has that guy. That's That would be my yeah. concern on them. Matt, you could go zone against them. If they're having an off night shooting, you play zone against them, collapse the middle. What are they going to do? You know, they're going to be in a tough yeah. spot. Um, that, that's, and that's, that's the problem. And that's one thing. Look, having a big is great, but – also, let's not forget, like, you know, it, it does bog down your offense at times. And when you have a guy that is that different than everybody else, I mean, things can happen. And, and look, it, this is, uh, again, man, it's not one game that does you in in the tournament. It's a five-minute yep. stretch. Like, you you have to think, like, look at UConn last year. I mean, they didn't have one. Go think of one bad five-minute stretch they had the entire tournament. They didn't have, I mean, they won every game by double digits. And that's, it, was that's so, it was insane. It was a dominant so run as we've ever seen. It was um, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, you know, that's what it takes. And I know that because I was on, I was, I was, a, I was against UConn pretty much every game they played. That's how I, that's how I know it vividly, RJ. It's like, I was like on the wrong side of that thing every single damn time. <laughs> I was like, because I, because in my mind, I was like, this can't keep happening. They're not going to look this dominant every, but they did. Um, they did. And so I had to, I had to learn the hard way there. Um, upda- updated um, <clears throat> odds over uh, at BetMGM for the college football, uh, college basketball futures. UConn is uh, down to five to one. Is that right? Down to five to one. Purdue is down to uh, plus six fifty. Houston is down to plus nine fifty. Uh, highest ticket percentage over at BetMGM is Kentucky, 12.1%. Highest handle is UConn, 15.3%. And Kentucky, I, I saw somebody say this on uh, on on Twitter the other day, um, that Kentucky's going to determine your bracket, right? Like, yeah, figuring out figuring out where they win and lose is going to be, is going to make or break your bracket. And I I agree with that. Again, not unlike Creighton, I, I could see him losing the first, second round, and I could see him win the whole thing. Those are the teams I like to have a, a ticket on. Yeah, Kentucky winning the whole thing, and their defense, that would surprise me with their defense, right? I mean, their defense has not been great this year. But then again, look, we've seen crazy things happen. We've seen teams uh, We've seen teams that came out of nowhere uh, that all of a sudden, you know, have great runs. They'll have that one guy, that one dude. Look, I mean, the Syracuse Mellow team, like that was – Okay, I mean, how'd that happen? Uh, you know, they got a favorable draw. Yeah. They got the they got their their uh, the regional in Albany instead of in, you know instead of having to go somewhere else. And like you know, poor Oklahoma stuck there and they couldn't shoot, and the zone killed them. Uh, so it's it's a uh, yes, Kentucky's an interesting one. I mean, their defense their defense scares me though. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's just you know you just never know. Sometimes you can just get. Like that UConn team in 2000, what was it, 2014, they came out of nowhere. 
when you have guard play, you know, some crazy stuff happens. And, you know, maybe maybe it could happen for Kentucky. Who knows? Uh, we got a lot more to get to on the show, including some coaches who are going off on their players uh, and, and the transfer portal and its role in this year in college basketball. Plus, we'll preview the weekend ahead. Stick around. You're watching BetQLU here on the BetQL Network. BetQLU here on the BetQL Network. I'm John Martin. He's RJ Choppy. We're here getting you ready for the college basketball slate this weekend. Only a few of these Saturdays left, RJ. So enjoy them while you have them. One uh, one gentleman who is not enjoying the college basketball weekends, it appears, is Rick Patino of St. John's. Rick Patino of St. John's just blew a 16-point first-half lead to Seton Hall last weekend and decided to use that opportunity to take aim at his players. This is what Rick Patino had to say after the loss to Seton Hall. I don't think they move well laterally. I don't think they're going to pick it up in the next week. Um, I think they're slow laterally. I mean, Sean Conway gives you everything he can. He's slow laterally. About five guys are slow laterally. Even, even the Celtics, when we lost, I've enjoyed every minute being a Boston Celtic coach. Didn't like the fact that we lost in that following year, but this has been the most unenjoyable experience I've had since I've been coaching. Do you have any second thoughts of taking this job? No, not at all. It's not St. John's. It's my team. I think they're very respectful. They hear, but they don't listen. It's taken me a month to get them to throw bounce passes. Actually, two months to throw bounce passes. I was thinking of getting ready for Georgetown because Georgetown could definitely beat us. Yeah, so uh, Georgetown did not beat them. Uh, uh, St. John's did win the game, 98-85. And Patino did come out after that game and apologize to his players. Uh, He said, these guys have never failed me. I have failed them with the fundamentals. Um, He said said, uh, that he told them he absolutely loves them. I would never, ever want to embarrass you. It's my bad. I'm at fault. I should have never mentioned anybody by name. I didn't mean it. Um, and and he said he was sorry to any St. John's fans because they've treated me like royalty. So what do you make of all this, RJ, and which side of Rick do you believe here? I think Rick really wants to coach bounce passes. I, Rick Pitino <laughs> loves bounce passes the way Bobby Knight loves ball fakes. All right, but pump fake that one. Runner up, ball fake, go around. What? what? <laughs> bounce passes. What What year are we in here? We're talking about bounce pass. Bounce passes are great. But, like, I didn't know that was some, you know, elixir of teaching that you've got to teach and throw in bounce passes. Uh, you know, move laterally. Okay. I mean, that's, that's coach speak right there. Uh, but this is – it's my team. It's not St. John's. It's my team. They stink. They just, they're just terrible. <laughs> what are we doing here, man? What's going on? I love Patino, but holy cow, this is, we played, we played this on our show this week. We're dying laughing, dying laughing. Like, this is like, you gotta be kidding me. No, nah, I don't, I don't regret taking the job. I love St. John's. I just hate my team. They're terrible. Yeah. You picked them, bud. You picked them. Yeah. At the end of the day. Because I'm in Memphis. Penny Hardaway did a version of this after they got blasted by SMU on Sunday. He basically went at everybody for uh, the big names, don't play hard all the time, and some of these guys have quit, and they've let go. We're not pulling in the same direction. And 
And I understand that it's frustrating as a coach, but it doesn't get you off, right? That's Because that's, to me, what it sounds like when you hear this. A coach is just trying to get off scot-free with underperforming. So you blow a 16-point first-half lead. Well, how did you build the first-half lead? It's the same yeah. players. The same, same, guys. same players who build the first-half lead then obviously lost it. Um, this is coaches just trying to look for an escape hatch into accountability. Um, and I think it's bunk. I think it's BS, and I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. Now, I do think players in this new NIL era have to have a little more heightened accountability than they used to because they're now being sort of paid. But they're not being paid, per se, to perform at a certain level. They're being paid to render their services to that institution, right? That's that's the agreement. You hope yeah. and, you, and you suspect that they will perform because that's why you're bringing them in, but there's no guarantees of that. Um, and so it all ends with the coach at the end of the day. It starts and ends with the coach. And, again, they got the win at Georgetown. <clears throat> he apologized, so all seems hunky-dory, but I just can't stand it. I can't stand it, RJ. I can't stand it when these college coaches complain about their players, and I can't stand it when these coaches complain about how hard their job is because there are hundreds and – forget that – millions of people in this country where people struggle to put groceries on their tables that would sign up in a heartbeat, in less than a heartbeat, for half the cost, for a fraction of the cost, to have to deal with freaking NIL. Come on, man. It just feels like these coaches, they're they're removed from reality, man. They're removed from reality because they've been living in these ivory towers and these high-ass salaries for as long as they have. It's like they've lost touch with the real world. And that, to me, from Patino, was the perfect example of that. You have been listening to the Arizona State coach. Because he said the same thing, the football coach. He said the, he said the same thing. Uh, but look, it's, it, it, is, it is true. Um, you know, they, they are removed by it. Now, it does. Look, I get it. It does. It sucks to have to recruit your own players. Uh, you get these guys in there, then the season's over, then you got to convince them why they should stay. Uh, there's also the element of it that, you know, the college football world that, or, or you just say, just say college football, because college basketball has been one and done forever. But like, you know, I remember the days where you would watch your favorite player at your college play, and then you would follow him to the NFL and you would take pride in how he did. And that's really gone, right? You know, that doesn't really happen because nobody stays anymore. So it, it's just a little different, right? It's a different sport, but it's okay. It's just what it yep. is. Uh, but, you know, Rick is. Rick's a cantankerous old man at this point, man, and this is this is what he's he's harping on. He got the you're right. He got the lead. How did he get the lead? The same players that got the lead blew the lead. It happens. It, it happens. Sometimes those guys don't play well on on any given day. You got yep. to deal with it. You're gonna have to find ways to fight through it. Yeah, I mean, in the end, you're the you, in in like in 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 the professional leagues, right? Mm-hmm. It's a difference. It's a different. Even though the coach still ends up taking. We know what the deal is. We know what the score is in 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 the professional leagues, right? Player league, yeah. you're only going to go as far as your players, and you also may not pick your roster. You know, you may have a GM or a front office, you know, dynamic that chooses your roster for you. Yeah. Um, you know, in college, it's all you. It's all you, it's man. All you. At the end of the day, you are the you're you're the the judge, jury, and executioner. 
So, you know, you have to face what comes with that. Um, Zach points out eight teams in college basketball brought in seven or more transfers. Arkansas, NC State, Arizona State, Memphis, UCF, West Virginia, Penn State, St. John's. And RJ, as you will be able to tell, the common denominator with all those teams is that not a damn one of them is currently projected to go to the NCAA tournament. So, cautionary tale, I would I would ask. Yes. It's okay to have your top player be a transfer. It's okay to have, you know, a couple of role players be your transfer. To have your entire team transfer over. It's just, you know, with with, with the way it is now, you just you know, there's, there's a you just can't get the same cohesion. You have no idea how these guys are going to play together. You have no idea how they're going to grow together. The egos are going to be involved. And also, don't forget this: when you have seven plus guys that are transfers, they're 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 mercenaries generally. They're transferring to get theirs. That's okay. You know, we're all mercenaries to an extent. But does that bring in an element of you know me first? I mean, I don't know. Like you have to ask coaches who have dealt with this for a long, long time. But Tino certainly has. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not new to this. Nobody's new to this. I mean, all these coaches can complain about the NIL all they want. You know, we just heard the other day, Johnny Manziel said that his dad asked Kevin someone for $3 million. Like, what, we, we just going to yeah. act like just now these guys are getting paid? Okay. Go ahead. I mean, if you want to believe that. Exactly. I mean, ask yourself, uh, in, in, in the year, you know, in, in 1999 or whatever, right. if when, when an SEC quarterback went to the NFL, if he took a pay cut or not. You can find that out. Ask him. Lie detector test. I bet you they tell you the truth. The difference with NIL is that it's an open market. Yeah. That's that's the change, right? The change is that it's yep. an open market where team, schools and recruits can sort of leverage themselves against one another. Oh, well, this guy got that at that. And you and it's all public information and all kind of like maybe not public information, but easy to access information. You know, that's the difference. Yeah, that's the difference. That's the difference. And now you know. Now you know exactly what it is. And and, and the uh the other schools know exactly what they got. It's it's completely different now. You know, now now it's just a different game. But I think in some cases it's a better game. And in some cases it's a better situation. Uh in other cases, it's it's gonna be worse. You're going to have situations where you've got seven plus guys transferring to one school, and or 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 in this case eight schools, Is and there? it's a disaster for every single one of them. Right? It's a disaster at every single one of them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's definitely RJ a, a cautionary tale for the way that coaches should approach the portal. the 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 term I've come up with is indulge, but don't engorge. That's how you should look at most hmm. of the good things in your life, right? Whether that's, you know, wine, whether that's good food, whether that's anything recreational, whatever. Indulge, but don't don't engorge, don't overdo it. And I think that is that is 100% the case with the transfer portal. Um because as you see, like I'll just use Memphis as an example. Memphis was probably the only group on that list that we talked about that had tournament expectations and everybody that they brought in on their, you know, individually in a vacuum 
was a good player. Quinterly was the SEC Tournament Player of the Year. Naquan Tomlin yeah. was a big part of Kansas State's Elite Eight run last year. David Jones was putting up numbers in the Big East. Um, you know, none of these guys, Jaquan Walton was a 40-plus percent three-point shooter at, at, uh, at Wichita State. I mean, none of these guys were bad players. But what happens is when you, when you, when you incorporate too many – and you don't establish roles, and most coaches aren't going to be great at establishing roles when you bring in seven, eight, nine new guys, you get infighting, you get unhappiness, you get grumbling, NIL checks, this, that, the other. It just starts to be a mess, RJ. Look, I I, I just had to Google what engorge means. Um, you, you You hit me again. That that Memphis State degree you've got, man, you're you're really putting you're really putting exit three eighty seven in Knoxville to shame. You really are. That's you really what, are. Man. That's what we're doing every week. This is a different world that I'm. We're playing. You're playing chess over here. Uh, I don't want to rub like, it in, man. You know, I, I really don't. I'm just trying to be classy about it. Yeah. Hey, look, I get it. I mean, you can't. There's no way of knowing how these players are going to um, uh, perform when it's an entirely new situation. New team, new players, new coaches. Who's going to mesh well with the other one? There's no way to find out. There's no way to know until you get them in. in um, until you get them into the building, and that's when all hell breaks loose for some of these teams. And you've got half a dozen teams or more that are sitting here uh, worried. Oh, damn! Like, oh, like how, at what? Here's what I want to know: At what point does the coach get all these new players in, in the, from the transfer portal? Does he get them in the building? And at what point is he like, ah, oh, crap? Is it the first practice? Right. The sixth? Like, is it, is it week three? What is it? Is it when conference play starts? First road trip? When he sees them all in the hotel sneaking out and they're not in the rooms? Like, when is it? That's what I want to know. Like, when does that happen for coaches? Because I think it's different for everybody. But, man, it's it's a scary proposition to, to live your entire life via the portal. Yeah. But, unfortunately, if you're a new coach and you get if you get hired late, that's what you got to do. It is. And I think there's I have more grace sort of for those situations than I do the returning coaches. You have to build a culture and then enhance that culture with two or three guys from the portal that fit what you're building. But you cannot establish a culture with seven to eight to nine new guys in and out every single year. That just becomes a turnstile at that point. Your culture is transitory. It cannot last. It cannot sustain. And I think that is definitely the problem. Uh, that Memphis is having and other programs will have if they go down that road. Uh, We'll come back. We will preview the weekend ahead in college basketball right here on Bet. All right, welcome back to BetQLU here on the BetQL Network. Find us on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Find us on Twitch, wherever you get your podcasts and your shows here on the BetQL Network. All right, RJ, it is that time of the week and that time of the show where we go over the weekend's games. Now, obviously, as we always do, we are using Ken Palm projected lines. So by the time you hear this, by, 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 by the time you hear this, it may be totally different than what uh, than what we're saying right now. But we're using the Ken Palm projected lines for uh, these purposes. So let's get into it, RJ. Starting Saturday, eleven Central, eleven AM, early start. Houston Baylor, number two ranked Houston. Houston ranked Baylor, Houston minus three. What do you think? 
Baylor's a team I can't figure out. Um, I, I, I want to say that, you know, they, they should be uh, a really tough game at home. But, man, I don't know. It just – something just doesn't sit right with Baylor. I keep seeing them on the three-seed line. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. They're, 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 they might they might finish this year with, like, nine losses. They're going to be a three-seed? I mean, that, that doesn't – I don't know. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I know the Big 12 is a gauntlet. But I just don't see them as as this this juggernaut team. I, I, I think Houston's the play here. You know, this is one where I could see just the, the the grind of the Big 12 schedule getting to Houston a little bit, you know, off a big top 10 rank, uh, ranked win against Iowa State earlier in the week. And you see a Baylor team that's been sort of up and down, still obviously very good at number 11 in the country, but, you know, has certainly been inconsistent this year. I could see this being a good spot for Baylor. I mean, I don't know if I have a, much, a lot of interest at three. We'll see what the number does, but I could see Baylor – Having you know having their best effort uh, this weekend, but that's an intriguing game. I'll definitely be tuned in for that one. All right, moving on. RJ going to the ACC Saturday, one p.m. Number eight, Duke at Wake Forest. Uh, obviously, an earlier matchup. Duke won in cover, somewhat controversial fashion. Duke minus one at Wake. I think Wake is one of the most underrated teams in the country. Uh, I think they're a really solid squad. I I think I like Wake here. I know Duke's kind of maybe hitting their stride a little bit, but I I think Wake is a uh, is a real live dog here. If you were if you wanted to take Wake in this one, it would not. Uh, this is this is a game game for them. Like this is one of those like this is their whole season rides on this game from a standpoint yep. of like they can they can make their announcement here that they've arrived. I, I think Wake is the play here. Yeah, Wake Wake definitely has to have it to stamp their NCAA tournament resume. There's no question about it. Duke is on fire. I mean, they just beat the crap out of Miami uh, earlier in the week. Jerry McCain put up, what was it, a 30-40 ball against Florida State. Like, they are finding their stride. With that said, I don't think Wake Forest played very well in the first meeting. They shot 26% from three. Uh, Efton Reed was in foul trouble the entire game and they were still in this thing until the end. So I agree with you. I think Wake Forest gets the job done at home, uh, against Duke. It's going to be a short number anyway. Wouldn't even surprise me if Wake closed as the favorite RJ. Uh, mm. all right. Number 20, South Carolina at Ole Miss, Ole Miss minus one at home, RJ. Oh God. I think, I think, I think South Carolina is the team here. Um, they're solid. Ole Miss is good. Ole Miss is good. My issue with yep. Ole Miss is like they played such a bad schedule early on, right? Such a bad schedule, and it like it allowed them to get a little bit of a cushion, and I think it inflated some of their maybe some of their numbers. Um, but I, I think South Carolina is the play. Yeah, it's another situation similar to the Duke-Wake Forest game, right, where Ole Miss really needs to have a win that puts them over that sort of, you know, that picket line of, of you know, the NCAA tournament or not. Um, but I just – I don't really – I don't think Ole Miss's bigs are tournament caliber. And I think South Carolina's bigs will be able to um, get the job done in, in the paint 
and make things a little easier on the road. I like South Carolina in this one as well. All right. And, you know, uh, and North thing, South Carolina has gone to multiple road spots and won yeah, they against have. better teams. Yeah. Against better teams than Ole Miss. They, so they are not yes. scared of the road. It doesn't phase them at all. So I, I, I'll take South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a factor. I mean, when you, you beat Tennessee at Tennessee, you're not phased by Ole Miss at Ole Miss. Uh, North Carolina, number 10 ranked North Carolina at Virginia, RJ. North Carolina minus four. I love the heels. I watched that Virginia Tech game. I wish I didn't. That was an abomination of basketball by Virginia. And they can put that game on you. They can put that stinker on you there, man. Like that team can completely go to sleep offensively. They are the that that game against Virginia Tech was the worst case scenario of Virginia basketball of that style yep. of play. I'm all over Carolina in this one. Yeah, I was I was actually on Virginia Tech in that one, so I, I too was watching it and I loved it. I loved it. It was it was an, it was an easier bet than it should ever be. Um, and it was not a it was not a game where I was like, oh wow, that if you just take that away and take that away, Virginia would have been competitive. No. They just had nothing going offensively. Um, and when they get behind, man, it's just true. They have no way back. So if North Carolina puts a 12-2 run on them, uh, you know, a couple of those, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly for them because they can't do that to them. <clears throat> so uh, it's hard for me to take the Virginia, even though, like, you're going to be getting points and it's a good spot. I just don't think I can do it, man. I don't think I can do it. All right, one of the better games of the weekend here. RJ, number 13 ranked Alabama at number 17, Kentucky. Kentucky, obviously, heartbreaker against LSU earlier this week. Uh, Alabama, overtime win over Florida. Alabama minus two at Kentucky. Dude, I am so close. I know the over's hideously high. I am so close to taking this over. It's at 178. But, dude. Yeah, these two teams are not very good defensively, and they are great on offense. Like I could easily see this game being played in the '80s with both teams in the '80s, but I think that under is a little bit too high. I think it's a, I think it's a touch too high. Like this, this, this game could be. Um, they're to to, to hit the over. It's got to be in the '90s. One team's got to hit ninety or close to it. Nah, man, I'm I'm gonna take the under in this one. The under 178. That's just too high. Yeah, I don't know if I have a super strong opinion about the total. I do think Kentucky at home is the play. Um, I just I I love the spot. I love the setup here. Alabama off an overtime win at home against Florida. Kentucky off a heartbreaking loss. I just love the spot here for Kentucky. And if you're giving me points. I'll be all over it. Uh, Texas at number nine ranked Kansas, RJ. Kansas uh, minus six on Saturday night. I like Kansas in this one. Um, you know, Texas is a uh, – they're a team that's that's one of these, like, yeah, they'll they'll probably make the tournament and everything, but they can get you. Uh, but I think they're much more likely to get you at home than they are on the road. I'll take Kansas minus the six. Uh, this is the least – it's the least I've heard, uh, you know, leading into the tournament about a Kansas team in a long time. In a long time. They, they have completely yeah. flown under the radar here. And it would not surprise me they don't have a little bit of a run in them. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way I can look at this one. I mean, Fog Allen home court, Texas very inconsistent. I mean, we've we've seen 
much better teams than Texas go in there and get embarrassed. So I, I think this number is going to wind up being bigger than six, and I like Kansas, uh, especially if they have everybody healthy. So, And I assume they will. So give me Kansas minus six. Uh, Villanova at number one ranked UConn. UConn minus 10 off their loss to Creighton, RJ. Pray for Nova. Pray for Villanova. Get on your knees. Make the sign of the cross. Put a put a quarter. They still do the quarters and the candles. Light a candle. Whatever. Pray for so. them, man. Yeah. Dan Hurley, uh, he wanted that. He wanted that. If you were to go and ask him, did you want to lose to Creighton? Absolutely he did. He is he is gonna be a menace this week. They're gonna be savages of this weekend against uh Against Villanova, it's a home game. Like they, they, they are going to absolutely destroy them. I think I would take this game at twenty. I, I might take it at. This is a. This is going to be an absolute embarrassment for Nova. I feel bad for him. Yeah, it's a bad spot, man. It truly is because it, it is. It's like you're just the pinata, you know. Somebody's got to be yeah. it. And you're the one. You're first in line, Villanova. Yep. And they need. And look, they they need a statement win. You know, for their for their purposes. I just I don't see I'm playing around in this one either. I'm with you. Give me UConn minus ten. Uh, Texas A&M at five ranked Tennessee. Tennessee messed around a little bit with Missouri. Was able to get the win. Texas A&M goes down to Arkansas. Tennessee is minus eleven at home. RJ. Uh, this is a weird game. This is a revenge game for Tennessee. Like, like they just played each other like yeah. two weeks ago in College Maybe. Station, and A and M beat them. It was the worst loss of the year for Tennessee. A and M beat them by like fifteen. Uh, I don't. I think eleven's too much, though. I think it's eleven's too many points. I'd be more apt to take A and M plus the eleven. I think Tennessee gets the revenge. I would stay away from it. Uh, that number, I think, is a is um, it's, it's a tempting number. It doesn't make sense. Usually you don't lose by double digits and then go back and then all of a sudden you're a double-digit point favorite against the team that just beat you two weeks prior. I think A&M is just a bad matchup for Tennessee, so I'm going to stay away from this one, but if I had to lean, I would take A&M in the points. Yeah, I think A&M is just incredibly difficult to predict. Um, I mean, losing to Arkansas at home is as bad as it gets, just when you think they sort of turn a corner. I, I, I can't put any money on them. I can't put any money on that damn team, and I refuse to do it. Uh, all right, last one, RJ. Creighton off their win against UConn at St. John's. Creighton minus three. Oh, give me Creighton all day. I know Patino and, and company is, uh, you know, the, the players are kind of going to have to make a decision. Are they going to band together or are they going to revolt? But, I mean, look, it, 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 it took everything they had to beat Georgetown, and Creighton is a much different team. So I'll take Creighton. That's a short, that's a short number, too. Uh, I'll take Creighton. Yeah, that's always a it's always a tricky one, right? The first one after knocking off number one for the first time ever, you know, that's one I'd be really weary of. And St. John's is kind of motivated, so depending on the number, I might be interested in back in St. John's. If you give me three and a half, four, I could definitely see that one being a very very entertaining game on Sunday. Hey. Not many more of these weekends left before we get to the tournament, so we got to savor them, RJ, and that's uh, what we try to do here every single week on BetQLU. That's going to do it for us for this edition of BetQL. Thanks for hanging out with us. For RJ Choppy, I'm John Martin. 
and we'll see you guys next week.